everyone. Welcome to In Your Element from Tetramap, where our focus is on developing people and business the way nature intended. Our guests will be sharing their expertise on what it's like when you're working in your element and working in a great team where people value each other's differences. I'm Louise Duncan, your host, and look forward to sharing this with you in the coming weeks. Well, hello, listeners, and today's guest is Brad Hook, the CEO of the Resilience Institute. And they're a global organization who deliver research-based resilience solutions to build organizational resilience and strategic agility. So hello and a warm welcome to you, Brad. Thanks, Louise. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Well, Brad leads a team who provide training through workshops and digital toolkits designed to help people become uh, more resilient and, I guess, to reach their full potential. And I've been really lucky enough to work with Brad in action on a couple of occasions through Rotary Youth Leadership. And if it's okay with you, Brad, I think we should just start with your definition of resilience. And perhaps you could explain why it matters to us all, whether you're young or old or studying or in full-time work and so on. Absolutely. So, you know, when the Resilience Institute was founded in 2002, Resilience was a pretty vague topic. You didn't really hear it anywhere. And I know our founder, Dr. Sven, tried really hard to bring resilience to the forefront of people's strategies, of people's employee engagement plans. You know, what is human resilience? And we've come up with this idea that it's absolutely learned you know, there might be some genetic factors that influence our resilience, but for the most part, it's a learned ability. And our definition is that it's the learned ability to bounce, which is to navigate adversity, recognize that if we've got some skills and insight, we can bounce back quickly uh, to grow, continually develop our skills throughout our lives, recognize that in a changing world, it's important to have a growth mindset and also to practice lots of different skills and um, activities that keep us feeling well so that we grow. You know, neuroplasticity and epigenetics show that we change based on what we do to connect which is all about emotional intelligence and building strong relationships and uh, improving our emotional, uh, you know, our EQ, which has been shown to be twice as important as IQ and technical skill. And flow, so reaching that flow state, which is also called being in the zone. So we, we define resilience as the learned ability to bounce, grow, connect and flow. And oh. these these skills are are absolutely learned. So throughout our lives, whether we're a a school child and we're doing more programs with young people, all the way through to the director of an international corporation, these skills can help us at any point of the journey. Mm, That's great. Thanks, Brad. And I think it's uh, another thing that I think you've talked about is, is being sort of a holistic approach, a complete approach, not just one thing that you do separately. Uh, So I think that's cool. Absolutely. Yeah. We call it an integral approach. Mm. It's completely honoring the fact that we are connected to our environment. We're connected to each other, uh, body, emotion, mind, spirit, if you like, are all completely interconnected. So finding ways to enable people to engage with a program at whichever level is suitable for them. 
Mm, thanks, Brad. And I think, you know, I've, I really enjoyed reading the report that your institute have produced. Um, mm. And it, it shared some really key factors about resilience across the globe. And uh, just before we kick off with the questions about our podcast, I wondered if I could pick, ask you to comment on a couple of those points. Absolutely. The first one, which was fascinating for me, was the regional diversity um, where you identified that EU countries experienced higher resilience ratios than perhaps Asia and the USA. Yes, yeah. You know, it's really interesting also to look at a factor level and see which factors are driving increased resilience because it's different everywhere. For example, the Netherlands came out on top with an excellent resilience ratio, you know, 2.08, which is what we could consider as almost thriving. Mm. But they have um, the least worry about the future, but they also are really self-critical. I mean, that's interesting, right? Um, mm. <laughs> they're not necessarily the <laughs> fittest. In fact, they've got the, the lowest reported fitness level. Right. So, and I think what that kind of uh, statistic shows is that resilience can be created through lots of different methods and lots of different ways. There's not one way to become resilient. So for them, mm. maybe, um, not worrying it mm. helps them a lot. Whereas in the US, they're really worried about the future um, while they are also struggling to focus. It's, it's really interesting to look at some of these factors that build up our resilience and see what the differences are across the world. Mm. And I think the other thing that I just wanted you to comment on, Brad, was the two other factors which I found fascinating, the glass ceiling and the millennials. Yes. Well, absolutely. You know, the millennial results showed us that there are some factors that young people are really struggling with, for example, sleep. And, you know, that's that's um, confirmed by lots of other research around the world that sleep is one of the main problems that we're all experiencing. But especially for young people who are exposed to devices far more than we were when we were younger. Uh, and, and also for, uh, for women, you know, women lag behind in resilience across every age group until I, I believe after about 60 when suddenly women overtake men. Um, but <laughs> it's, it's really interesting just to see what the differences are. You know, note that women tend to score much higher in the emotional competencies, um, but they definitely are experiencing much more distress, that hypervigilance, trouble turning off, headaches, chronic symptoms, those kinds of things. They're also way more self-critical than men. So, Understanding some of these risks and strengths helps us to not necessarily customize our training, but focus in on those areas that can help people. So that's a huge part of our work is helping women identify the risks and strength areas and, and everyone in our training gets their own blueprint of their resilience. Uh, so yeah. Yeah, that, that was fascinating. Mm. Well, I mean, I think for me, certainly I've, um, in reading the report, and I, I just want to mention that this report is available via your website. So in the show notes, I will leave a, a, a link to that so anybody can get a copy and read it for themselves. Great. And I do think, you know, certainly the work that we've done with the young people, they do identify with the sleep issues and it is, it, you know, there are so many factors. So this is what your, your institute is talking about. There's not just one thing that's resilient, but there's a number of things. And the fact is that you can actually train yourself or, or learn how to become more resilient and make, it, make you have a, um, 
I suppose, a, I don't want to say a better life, but a, a life that's more enjoyable for you. Would that be fair? Absolutely. So I often say that our mission is to reduce distress and often it's unnecessary distress and it's caused by uh, some habits and, and things that we do that could be improved and to liberate our potential. So, you know, for some people it can be transformational just improving sleep quality or uh, starting to move around a little bit more. But for some people, it might be building skills in empathy and leadership. And others, some people struggle with focus. In fact, focus was the number one factor that the most resilient people shared. So it's really interesting that focus or attention control can be learned. And for many people, that's transformative. So it's finding what works for you and building that into life. And as we always say, deliberate practice is the key to success in resilience and everything. So just chipping away little by little and before you know it, those skills become habit. Well, thank you, Brad, for such a fantastic uh, overview of what is out there for you and also making it seem easy that you can get these things under control yourself and become more fulfilled in your own work. I love the factor about the number one focus is about being able to focus because when we have our devices on, we're always on, we're always distracted and there's so much research around I need to turn those off and get into that state of I need to manage this task, complete this task before I engage with it, my back to my device again. So thanks mm-hmm. very much for that. Of course. All right, Brad. Well, thank you. And, and um, is there anything else that you'd like to add before we kick off with our, our questions for the In Your Element podcast? I think that, if anything, resilience is all about you, your life, and building in some of those practices can make a huge difference. For me personally, it was a transformative journey, and uh, it really can improve the quality of your life and enable you to reach out for those things that maybe have been lying on the other side of fear or anger. You know, I often say that if we can look beyond the fear or anger or sadness in our lives, you know, that's probably what resilience can help us to do. That's perfect. Thank you, Brad. We really decided to call this podcast In Your Element uh, as it aptly describes the work we do with nature, with teams, and the whole essence of feeling great about being uniquely you. So there's definitely a lot of synergies there. So let me ask you, Brad, when you are in your element, what are you doing, thinking and feeling? Well, I love the idea of being in your element. It really resonates. So for me personally, I think flow state, being in the zone is when I'm in my element. So when you're in flow state, the front part of the brain is actually disengaged. So you're not actually thinking consciously anymore. You're completely immersed in an activity. And for me, that's my element. So I find it in lots of different ways whether it's surfing or writing, which is something I really enjoy, or designing technology, or even more recently over the past few years, running workshops, something I never thought that it would get me into flow state. But I think key to being in that state is having a challenge that matches your skill set, or maybe the challenge is just slightly more. For me, being on the brink of my 
skill set or my capacity is where I find flow because it gets uncomfortable and you really do need to sink into the experience. As soon as you start thinking, you move over into anxiety or worry. So finding those zones where you can completely immerse yourself in a task, for me, that's Mm. my element. Mm, thanks, Brad. Um, and I know that you, you're a surfer and you love surfing. So I wondered if you could share something about nature that's important to you and how you see that this relates to human nature, if at all. Yeah, absolutely. And you're exactly right. It's, it, for me, it's all about the ocean. The ocean is the greatest teacher I've ever had, I suppose. I started surfing when I was around about six years old. And uh, it's just been this one consistent thread. And it's interesting how no matter where I've moved across the world from South Africa to, uh, to Europe, to Australia, to New Zealand, I've always managed to find a way to stay close to the ocean. I actually wrote a book on how the ocean teaches us everything we need to know. It's called Surfing Life Waves. And the ocean teaches us courage because it pushes us back to shore. It's actually quite hard to get out to where the waves are breaking. And then it teaches us patience because you sit out there and you have to wait for your wave to come along. And when it does come along, there's competition. It teaches focus. So you actually have to paddle and commit to a wave. And it teaches flow state because once you're on a wave, you're completely immersed in the activity. And so for me, I also look at this idea as how, how we surf our opportunities in life. So, you know, opportunities are like waves that come along. Are you at the right beach? Are you, you know, in the right place when you paddle out? Are you trying to catch waves that are actually just a little bit beyond your current capability or are you catching waves that are too small so i think the ocean it teaches you all of these things in its myriad moods it's a it's a wonderful teacher yeah well that's a true connection with us because we 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 always say there's so much wisdom in nature and if only we could as humans start to realize and learn more from nature we would move along the path a little easier I like your um, surfing analogy and I know watching the surfers waiting, waiting, waiting patiently for the wave and then that ride that they get is just amazing. Um, so it's a cool, a cool activity, it but it yeah. must teach you to be incredibly patient. Absolutely. And, and beyond that, something that I've been doing recently is helping with a surf therapy program. Mm. And there have wow. been a few around the world. Uh, some are with veterans who've come back from war zones and you know they're looking for some kind of intervention to help Uh them yeah and their therapy has been shown to be extremely effective so i've been working with an organization down here in the bay of plenty and they're helping young men with troubled backgrounds through surf therapy and it's quite amazing to watch the transformation of these young guys as they you know build up confidence in some skills and they get out there in nature i mean surfing is an inherently mindful mindful you're out yes. there and it's a truly meditative experience yeah i didn't know that brad it's called surf therapy that's interesting yeah. isn't it and it's, is that happening all around the world it is yeah increasingly yeah. there's now a the international surf therapy association and they all have different approaches to it but yeah. for, for the most part it's all about taking people surfing and just getting them out there in the waves and 
I suppose, watching them develop their skills and confidence. And the thing is, you're completely present when you're surfing. You're not anxious, you're not worrying. And I suppose over time, it can desensitize the amygdala, that part of the brain that reacts to strong impulses to uh, the environment. And, and it just helps you find presence, which is really important as a, as a therapy, yeah. Mm. And I think, therefore, you know, that's, I was just thinking about the ocean. And obviously, being in New Zealand, we're lucky we have the ocean all around us. But if we lived in a country where perhaps we didn't have that access, I'm sure individuals could find something in nature that would be as relevant to them or as helpful to them. Absolutely. Research shows just spending time in nature is immensely beneficial to our health and well-being. So whether it's going for a walk or, uh, you know, actually just meditating, observing thoughts in real time or going swimming, anything that's calms you down and puts you in a, a position that requires, you know, some focused attention, I think will, will benefit everyone. Mm, how cool is that? Interesting that you mentioned swimming. I saw a documentary about somebody getting into flow state through their swimming practice. They went every day and it helped them with uh, certain anxieties that they had, just the rhythm of the strokes. They were in a swimming pool, they weren't in the ocean, yeah. just the rhythm of the strokes. Fascinating. Well, apparently it triggers the vagus nerve, which is part of our relaxation response. So swimming is a very powerful way to relax. Hmm. Oh, thanks, Brad. That was fascinating. (laughs) Um, So I asked you if you had a short reading or a quote, and I just wondered if you could tell us which which one you've chosen and why. Yeah, so I, I looked through my Kindle highlights from the past few years, and there were all kinds of things in there. I thought one of my favorites is... Uh, by Joseph Campbell, and he said, the goal of life is to make your heartbeat match the beat of the universe, to match your nature with nature. And I thought that's also quite relevant in terms of what you guys do. Yeah. Uh, and for me, that what that's saying is rather than fighting against the world, you know, why not lift ourselves up and join join the dance? You know, why, Joe Rogan said something along the lines of, we're talking monkeys hurling on an organic spaceship through space. enjoy enjoy the ride it's not going to last long just make the most of it another one that I really like is uh, the philosopher Alan Watts said you are a function of what the whole universe is doing in the same way that a wave is a function of what the whole ocean is doing and I think that's that idea of being interconnected with everything and that integral approach you know we all belong here we're all connected if you think about our resilience spiral, for example, it connects us, whether it's body, heart, mind, environment. I think it can help everyone to start viewing the world in that way. That's great, Brad. And I didn't know any of those quotes that you mentioned, but they all related to uh, somebody that we re- we talk about a lot, which is a gentleman by the name of Buckminster Fuller. Yes. I don't know if you've heard of him. Um, I have. Yeah. I have. He's an amazing, <laughs> amazing person. So his, one of his most famous books is... Um, operating manual for spaceship earth and he says the same similar sort of thing really okay amazing (laughs) i I know alan watts talks about uh, buckminster filler a lot right so there's probably Um, a connection there well thanks for that brad and i just wondered if you could identify a story about your work um it's not going to be with tetramat because you don't you're not one of our facilitators but just something about your work that's meaningful for you and something that's been a surprise a highlight or a really great learning experience 
I suppose learning patience has been uh, useful for me. You know, I shipped myself off to London at quite a young age with dreams of becoming a surf photographer, which was a really bad idea because, it, as you know, there's not much surf in London. And <laughs> I ended up in office jobs for the next 10 years, but tried really hard to learn new skills. I taught myself computer programming. And eventually things came full circle. I could not see how I might end up achieving some dreams or goals. But waiting patiently, you know, the skills I developed as a programmer enabled me to become a digital nomad, which meant that I could work from anywhere and write and do photography and the creative things that I wanted to do. And then eventually I came to New Zealand and started building digital platforms and working with the Resilience Institute and transitioned into a role that enables me to travel. So I think it's, it's all about doing your best in the moment and not worrying too much about what other people think because we do get into those traps from time to time. Mm. And really just uh, not worrying about connecting the dots looking forward, as Steve Jobs said, you know, mm. just doing the best you can in the moment. And that's led me to a really fulfilled career. How fantastic. Well, congratulations on the, that, Brad. That's, that's great to hear. And I know you're settled in the Mount, in Mount Monganui, which uh, some, many of our listeners will know, which is the most beautiful place with a lovely family. So well done on connecting the dots. Thank in, you. Thank you. Way you did for and there's still lots of dots out there <laughs> that I'm trying to figure out. <laughs> Aren't we all? Yes. <laughs> well, Brad, finally, our last question as Tetramac is really all about developing great teams naturally. I wondered if there's something you'd like to share on that topic that might be a great gift just to leave for our listeners. Sure. I was thinking about this and I thought first off from a leadership perspective, and we're all leaders in some way, if only of ourselves, but lead from the heart. Um, you know, if you think about Martin Luther King Jr., he said, I have a dream. He didn't say, I've got a strategic plan with 100 KPIs. It's uh, it's really all about engaging our emotions, understanding our biological rhythms, getting ourselves to, um, you know, a state of calm, connectedness, presence, so that we can be creative in the moment. Uh, I think that that's a foundation of all good leadership is, you know, calm, composed, and really, really present. And when we're in that kind of state, we can be agile. You know, agile is such a buzzword. But before being agile, we need to be present and aware and uh, looking at things from lots of different lenses and perspectives. So engage emotions, uh, establish some practices, understand biological rhythms, work to peak alertness, you know, 9.30 to 10.30 in the morning, plan work around that, minimize distractions, uh, really cultivate the conditions for flow as an individual and as a team. And then I think most importantly, perhaps, is to be kind to each other. You know, change is inevitable. So much of our suffering comes from clinging to old ways or old ideas, and the world is changing so fast. So, mm. you know, uh, an absolutely valid response to change is fear and anxiety, but it doesn't help us for the most part. It actually holds us back. So just letting go of that and being really present. Uh, I like the idea of the chaotic path. I don't know if you've heard of that idea. I don't, know. So there's chaos on one side and you've got order on the other side and somewhere in between chaos. <laughs> 
and that's where we do creative work. They call it the chaotic path. <laughs> I think I'll that, to look at that. We, that's where we can all try and make sense of life. And if we've built up some skills across empathy and mm. we're really trying to understand the different behavioral styles in our team, uh, we can all build up the, the styles and the areas where we may have uh, some risks or weaknesses or really um, encourage the people who've got different styles to us. We do a workshop, uh, an exercise in our workshops where we look at behavioral styles across a team. And it's so amazing to find some teams that are really strongly concentrated in one particular quadrant. You might have really analytical people and you've got one creative person out there on the periphery and they're like, oh, now we understand, you know, really honoring those different styles. And I'm sure you do similar work mm. at helping people to understand and appreciate the different styles. But I think, uh, as I said, just being present, coming back to the moment, whether through breathing or through a meditation practice or through time in nature helps us to be more creative and helps us to be kind to each other. So really making that a priority in the future workplace. That's lovely. Thank you, Brad. What a great tip. If, if they remember nothing else, I hope everyone remembers be kind to each other. <laughs> Absolutely. I think that's the most important thing we can all do in the world right now. Thanks, Brad. Well, um, and can I just ask if anybody wants to get in touch with you, I know they can go to your website and I'll leave um, that in the show notes, but if anybody wants to get in touch with you sh personally, should they, how should they connect with you, Brad? Find yeah, out sure. More. I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, if you search Bradley Hook, potentially with the word resilience, I don't think there's too many Bradley Hooks on, on LinkedIn. I suppose I'm on Twitter, but I don't use it very often. So right. LinkedIn is a, LinkedIn is a good best forum. LinkedIn's a good place, or you know, my email address is on our website, brad.hook at resilienceeye.com. And I'm always happy to talk to people about their own resilience journeys and lives. So happy to be out there. Thanks, Brad. That's wonderful. Well, we really appreciate your time, insights, wisdom and stories this morning. And I know that you're doing great work out there. And as you said, there's so much synergy between what you say and what we we offer at Tetramap that um, the opportunity for us to work together at some point in the future, I'm sure, will arise. Thanks I'm really again, excited Brad. about that. I'm really excited <laughs> to do that. Thanks so much for the privilege of getting to talk to you and your listeners. Thanks, Brad. Speak to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.